reading, writing, and oral language are all interrelated. So reading and writing are fostered by experiences that promote meaningful interaction with oral and written language. If students with cognitive disabilities are constantly just taught in, in rote drill and practice, they'll remain emerging in their understanding of print when they're taught these skills in isolation. Hello, Montgomery County, and welcome to the OPL podcast with MCIU. My name is Brandon Langer, and I'm the Program Administrator for Instructional Technology in the Office of Organizational and Professional Learning. And today, I am joined once again by Julie Ortlieb. So thank you for joining me. Of course. I am Julie Ortlieb. As Brandon said, I am a project consultant at Montgomery County Intermediate Unit. And we've been having this ongoing conversation, I think this is the episode, the third episode of a little mini series here, highlighting literacy instruction for students with complex needs. And you have a course series that you've been running for some time now, and we've been diving a little bit into the overall structure, and then we kind of focused on course number one. And today we're going to take a look at course number two, teaching students with complex needs to read and write specifically. So my question for you to kind of get going here is how has instruction for students with disabilities changed over the the years. We've seen a lot of instructional shifts throughout the years, and some of it's due to legislative changes and some of it's due to mindset. But there's also been a lot of research in the area of literacy for students with significant disabilities in recent years. And when we know better, we do better. Of course, we're all still learning and growing in our understanding of how to best educate students with complex needs, but it's such an exciting time because we're seeing these shifts in mindset around educating students with disabilities. So instead of students learning only functional skills, we are presuming competence more and holding high expectations for our students and challenging them to learn academic content. And instead of students just accessing general education by being a bystander in the classroom, we really are striving to see students actively engaged and participating alongside their peers with appropriate supports in place to help them navigate those instructional waters and those social settings. So let's dive a little bit over into those literacy practices and approaches specifically, because in our last two conversations, we were looking more higher level. You know, we covered the why for the series in general. We highlighted the importance of foundational skills for literacy development in students, uh, including those with limited verbal abilities. So the next course in the series is students with complex need, teaching students with complex needs to read and write. Beyond foundational skills, what are the other components of literacy educators should be focusing on? Well, teaching our students with complex needs is not an easy task. I think we can all agree to that, especially if you have experience teaching students with more significant disabilities. But research on literacy practice for students with significant disabilities confirms that this population of students benefits from the same literacy practices and approaches as their typically developing peers. And all students need explicit and systematic instruction in five essential elements of literacy to achieve reading success. So those five, sometimes we call them five pillars um, of literacy, are phonemic awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension, all within embedded language and writing experiences. So as we talked about that first course, we covered 
alphabet knowledge, phonological awareness, and phonics in depth. In this next course of the series, we focus more on reading and language comprehension, vocabulary, word study, and writing. And our cornerstone in all of this is how to teach these essential components in an adapted way for students with complex needs through the integration of meaningful literacy experience. So we discuss how to create a comprehensive framework and how to, to identify whether students would benefit from emergent literacy literacy strategies or conventional literacy strategies. And what is the difference between those two, or is there a difference? So we can say that literacy instruction can be tailored into two different levels of readiness, one being emergent and one being conventional. So you can think of emergent literacy as the platform for conventional literacy. So in this emergent platform, so to speak, um, the skills must be strong in the emergent area before moving on to the conventional literacy practices. And one note of caution, sometimes we see that we provide too much support to our students and we you know, view that student in the classroom and it look, looks like they're doing phenomenal, but sometimes we over scaffold the learning to make it look like the students are achieving in replacement of building strong emergent literacy skills. So the, if you visualize a big platform that's emergent literacy and then conventional builds on top of that. In the course, we talk about how to, how to identify whether a student would benefit from daily emergent interventions or conventional interventions. And we do this by asking four questions. So you want to know, does the student identify most of the letters of the alphabet most of the time? Does the student engage and interact during shared reading? Does the student have a means of communication and interaction? And does the student understand that print has meaning? If you answer yes to all four of those questions, they're, they're ready for more conventional practices. If you answer no to any one of those questions, then they're living more in that emergent literacy understanding. Um, so we plan instruction based on that student's level of need at the time. And I think I mentioned this in the previous po podcast uh, there's no black and white line between emergent and conventional. So, and you may have students that fall into both buckets. So we also discuss in the course how to encompass both and mesh instructional strategies from both approaches. And as you're speaking, there's so many layers and skills and everything that's kind of swirling together in the topic of literacy. We see it even in my space in, of educational technology where people are just throwing out stuff across the board. And some of them will pick one skill or one specific area to focus on. Why is it important that literacy skills not be taught in you know strict isolation? So... If reading instruction is focused only on isolated skills, let's say things like picture matching, worksheets, um, responding to questions, flashcard, flashcard drills, or reading words in isolation, uh, you have an absence of comprehensive instruction, and we need this comprehensive instruction that encompasses things like shared reading and writing, the phonological awareness, word study, reading comprehension, all of those different pillars that we talked about. We have to have all of those elements in place in order for a student to be able to read conventionally with comprehension. So to back up, though, I'm not saying that isolated skill practice doesn't have a place in time, but when planning instruction, we have to remember that the goal for emergent readers is to understand that words have meaning and they have to develop an interest in constructing their own meaning from text. 
So if students with cognitive disabilities are constantly just taught in, in rote drill and practice, they'll remain emerging in their understanding of print when they're taught these skills in isolation. And that doesn't actually surprise me because if you think about, there were kids I grew up with that were great at playing horse, but they couldn't play the game of basketball Mm -hmm. because the context of the game is very different. Shooting from one spot over and over and over Mm -hmm. again versus having to approach the game in a team approach or in a a whole, you know, when we we play defense for, first of all, you know, when we, when we just focused on that one skill of shooting from this one spot, great. You're great at that one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately, we want people to be well-rounded. We want them to really understand something that we hit in the first couple of conversations as well, which is that literacy is really a source. It's communication. Mm -hmm. It's essential for people to understand that. So how do we effectively engage students in the processes of reading and writing to show them that literacy at its core is communication? Well, you can constantly draw the parallel between you know, whatever you want to say, typically developing children, the word typical, there's no average student, right? But we're talking about students who we might consider a general education student versus a student that is in a special education setting. There are parallels to show that what is effective for any student is also going to be effective for a student with significant disabilities. So all students have to be engaged in exploring, you know, reading and writing in real world context. They have to understand how we integrate reading and writing into our daily lives. They have to see the relevance in real world context. So the function of literacy is just important as the forms. Another important thing to note from the research is that reading, writing, and oral language are all interrelated. So reading and writing are fostered by experiences that promote meaningful interaction with oral and written language. So if you think about following along in a big book as an adult reads aloud or telling a story through a drawing, um, they're all interconnected. Shared reading is an emergent reading strategy, and it's a great way to foster a love of books through engagement and connection. Shared reading is a strategy that we talk a lot about in this course, and shared reading can look different with students with complex needs. But the goal is always to maximize interactions while enjoying a book together. So you focus more on the interaction between the adult and the student or the other students in the room when reading a book together, and you invite participation instead of just peppering a student with questions. Sometimes we get in that trap of read a page, answer a question, read a page, answer a question. But we want to lead with comments instead of questions Mm -hmm. and invite students especially because some students don't even know how to answer questions yet, but yet we're peppering them with WH questions. So we really want to engage the student through interaction and model by thinking aloud. So right now it's April, if you're hearing this and you're listening in the future sometime, it's April 2023 as we're having this conversation. But as we were alluding to early on, this is a full series that uh, Julie has put together supporting literacy instruction for students with complex needs. Julie, where are you currently in terms of the coursework? I know like some courses run at different times. So if someone's interested in partaking in this the second course of the series we're highlighting today, uh, is that currently running now or is that something they can do in the future? So currently right now we are doing teaching foundational skills, which is course one, and then the journey would continue with course two. And we're hoping to, to have another cohort of that in late summer, early fall. I also just opened an asynchronous course. It's three hours, all self-paced 
on using AAC. It's about using AAC effectively to support literacy instruction. So that is a the, the third and final part of the series. And like I said, all self-paced. So the hope is that you would continue through the whole journey. But if you can only start in one part of the journey, if you can only do foundational skills right now, just start somewhere and dive in with understanding how to build a comprehensive framework for your students. Mm-hmm. Anything that you want to, any parting words you want to leave today with? Well, the only part that I failed to mention in this podcast today was about writing. Mm. So we we talk a lot about reading in our podcast, but there is this whole piece that that sometimes we're missing with our students. And we, and you had asked me about you know how do we engage students in reading and writing mm-hmm. so that they understand that writing is communication. And sometimes there is this preconceived notion that, oh, well, my student with significant disabilities, they can't pick up a pencil, they can't write, so we're we're not going to do writing. Um, So we can't hold on to that preconceived notion or that misconception that writing is connected to handwriting. Handwriting is a component of writing, but writing is a means of communication. And we don't want to hold our students back because they haven't developed the fine motor skills or the motor-based skills to do handwriting. Those are two different skills. Um, So I want to ask you, Brandon, what have you used to write today? Uh, You're a technology guy. Mainly my computer is is how I would answer that maybe, but um, post-it note, pen, iPad. Write um, any text messages? Text messages, absolutely. Did you do any speech-to-text? Uh, I haven't yet today, but yes, I do <laughs> regularly do that and make use of it, <laughs> particularly so, on my long-winded answers sometimes. You're a tech person, so you know that there's a lot of different ways that we communicate throughout the day. So the reality is that we all use what we term alternative pencils all the time. Mm. So as with a lot of assistive technology, what started out as tools for individuals with disabilities became the norm for all. So mm-hmm. speech to text or using your touchscreen on your iPad, using the keyboard on your iPad. So we all use different writing tools throughout the day and it's not all a pencil, you know, pen mm-hmm. in your hand. So handwriting is just a small part of the mix when we talk about writing and some students may never handwrite. So we don't want to we don't want to hold them back. So there's a lot of options for alternative pencils for students with disabilities, your occupational therapist, your your AT specialist, assistive, assistive technology specialist will be great resources for you to help identify the best tools for navigating writing. Um, but really, the, it's just about helping students navigate the process of selecting letters to communicate, selecting letters to write. So it's learning to communicate through print is more important than learning to just handwrite or copy and trace. So when we talk about literacy is communication, communication is literacy, our students with more significant disabilities need to learn that print is a code for speech and they need to be explicitly taught phonics and they need to learn how to read and spell to communicate whatever they want and to have precision in their communication. So I could talk about these topics all day long, but the impotence for this series was that students with significant disabilities deserve the the right to read and they deserve the power of communication through writing. And they can only achieve this if provided with comprehensive literacy instruction that's tailored to meet their unique needs. So I encourage you to dive into this three-part series in whatever way that you can um, and reach out for any direct support in this area as well. 
Yep. And if you are new to us, you can always log on to our MCIU Learning Network, which is learn.mciu.org. And we have an ongoing post landing page for this series that can bounce you to the registration links for, for any of the courses that are running. It's also a place that you can interact with us. We are on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, pushing out content within the Office of Organizational and Professional Learning. And as we alluded to, this is the third of, I believe we're going to do one more podcast, at, at least in this topic area, because Julie's just a wealth of knowledge and we appreciate her time, effort and energy uh, to come sit down with us and share it. Thank you for joining me today and kind of continuing our conversation here. I know your previous sessions have been very well attended, which we're very excited about as an, <laughs> as an office, but I know you are as well as this was a new offering, uh, you know, fairly recently for the office. So thank you once again, and we'll look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks, Brandon. All right, thank you. Thank you.